0: Baby, mm. baby, I eat the shit from right out. out Dedicate to all the pretty yeah, girls, all the pretty and girls, all the pretty girls, all the pretty girls in the world and the ugly girls the too. Girls. Oh, man, you're putting anyway, put you anyway, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you give me your number, I call you up You act like your pussy on interrupt I don't have no trouble with you fucking me But I have a little problem with you not fucking me Baby, you know I'ma take care of you Cause you said you got my baby and I know it ain't true Is it a good thing that no, it's bad, bitch? For good or worse, makes you switch So I walk on over with my crystal Bitches niggas put away your pistols No, they won't be having that in this house Cause bitch, I'll triple stuff. Now, now that you heard my calming voice, you couldn't get another nigga, the Gucci won't get moist. If you want to look good and not be bummy, yo, you better give me that money. Ooh. Hey, Dirty, uh, 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 uh. baby, I got your money, don't you worry. I said, hey, baby, I got your money. Hey, Dirty, uh uh uh, uh. Hey, today, Go I whisper in the air, you wanna be with me. You wanna look pretty though in my video. Oh, dirty on the hat and I let you all oh, know. Just dance if you want up in the Holy Ghost trance If you stop, I'ma put them killer ants in your pants. I'm the ODB as you can see. FBI, don't you be watching me. I don't want no problems because I put you down. In the ground where you cannot be found. I'm just dirt dog trying to make somebody. So give me my streaks and give me my honey. Radios play this all day, every day. Recognize I'm a fool and you Love yes. me. None of you know better look at me funny. No, you know my name down, give me my money. Hey, say hey. Sing it. Maybe I got your money. Sing, sing it, girls. Right. Hey. Just sing it right now. Maybe I got your money. And 31 is funny. Hey, I think y'all can give them this money. Maybe I money. all night bitches put your ass out and let me hold it tight you're looking at my wrist saying this all so night nice. the price bitch nah, is nah, diamond nah. shining disco line nice. you hey, better help me solve my problem i'ma get this money and rob them lucky dog when i won the lotto ran up on my car i carrying Rollo. but hold on you can call me dirty and then lift up your skirt and you want some of this dirty God made dirt and dirt bust your ass no, Stop annoying me, yeah, play my music loud take the bats and no dirty to move the crowd And say he had his dick in his mouth Eddie Murphy taught me that back of the But house. give me my money
1: You're listening to Ink Studs on CITR 101.9. That was uh, an old, moldy but an oldie. A goodie. Oldie but a goodie. A moldy oldie. I love it. Old Dirty Bastard. Um, once known as Little Baby Jesus and uh, Old Dirt McGirt. Is that all the names?
2: I think there's more. There's more. But I'm I don't know offhand. Those three for sure.
1: Um, my guest today is Jason T. Miles. Um, I guess... Uh, I want to kind of describe. You're not just a cartoonist. I mean, you're a cartoonist. You do some uh, some writing on comics as well. And a little bit, yeah. Starting to do more. I hope. Hopefully, I
2: hope it's a matter of time.
1: <laughs> you're? Uh, are you officially part of the Comics Comics crew now?
2: I I don't know. I guess I know that uh, the the three main guys uh, asked. And, uh, three other guys to participate and uh, and so I've you know I wrote a short a brief piece about the first comic I really remember reading and I have um, a couple other things in the works but uh, I'm, I'm hoping to finish a piece on uh, Steve Ditko here pretty soon
1: always a good topic
2: yeah he's he's one of my my favorites
1: he's uh there's always a different point of view on him which I find interesting there's mm-hmm. no definitive
2: yeah, I, hope, I, hope, I, I have something to say that I haven't, I haven't read about or heard elsewhere. So I, I, I hope to be able to to add rather than to detract from the already like the glut of Ditko uh, <laughs> information out there.
1: Um, it, it is one thing I find fascinating about Ditko is that folks that are involved in studying Ditko and stuff they all have completely different views and hold them in different. Regards. Yeah, and so I think you know, as as we see more writing coming out, um, it'll be fascinating to see how things kind of clash and contrast. And
2: definitely, I I love it. I I love how I I love with Ditko as a as not just a cartoonist, but a just an artist. You know, he's he's his work is so fascinating, and 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 the stories about him definitely add to the mystique. But uh, you know, his work alone. Offers a lot of different point of views, mm-hmm. and a lot of things to to look at, and he really, I find it interesting that you know comics, being an interdisciplinary art form, uh, a lot of times when I read about them or even consider them myself, they seem very singular, you know, with the drawing or the writing or the characters or you know the what have you. But with him, it seems like he really uh, he's almost a cipher at this point, and. You can find all sorts of, I mean, there's such a depth to it. I mean, he might be drawing Speedball. Or
1: (laughs) Or Chuck Norris.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and he might be doing Mr. A or some anonymous Charlton comic. And it's just, you know, he's just really open for, um, I think, for, he's a a wonderful touchstone for comics and for the aesthetic and and, and the business as well.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and there's something fascinating about how it's almost like the study of him, because you're kind of, it's kind of like studying like an ancient artifact in a way, because you're left with these remains. I mean, the guy's still alive, but you're left with these remains and these little pieces that you put together of the the rare comments, public comments that he's made beyond (laughs) his diatribes. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of piecing together this identity that may be completely off in some ways
2: right well yeah and hearing all the stories about his his uh, involvement with fandom and and, I mean that's what his current work is actually a lot of it is uh, his reaction to to some perceived fandom that still does or does not exist yeah and it's kind of fascinating and a little disconcerting that it's still a hot button issue for him but when I was in San Diego this last year I went to this I was walking by a table and there's this art dealer and he had a, a whole Notebook full of postcards and ephemera, ephemera from cartoonists. And he had a couple postcards from DIDCO to various people. And it was, uh, they were really fascinating because they were just these blank cards. And on one side, he had drawn a character like the Blue Beetle. And then on the other side, he would say something like, Thank you for your letter. I don't have time to answer your questions. Good day. <laughs> <laughs> But he would, you know, have time to draw the Blue Beetle. Yeah. And uh, they were just fantastic. But it was really, really fascinating. So
1: uh, I almost think it's a matter of the time to answer the question, or maybe the willingness to answer the question.
2: Sure, sure. Well, he's almost, to me, he's almost like a, a Peter Parker or Spider-Man. I mean, he's got this, it's almost like he has this other identity. Uh, That that he's trying to conceal from everybody. He's yeah, he's a fascinating guy.
1: He he probably you know goes home and watches football and (laughs) eats Cheetos and (laughs) meanwhile everyone's thinking that he's in some kind of political conspiracy or something. I don't know. Right? Yeah, studying (laughs) Rand. (laughs) It's like nah, I just I just wanted to watch the Jets. Right. So um, Ditko aside, maybe I'll let people know uh, some of your work that you do have. Okay. Um, Dead Ringer was that the name? I'm trying to yep, remember. Yep. That's uh. uh yep. Your massive uh, book uh, from uh, Zach Sally's La Mano Press, or is it La Mano Twenty One?
2: I don't know. I, I I. The just, website
1: is Lamano Twenty One.
2: Right. Yeah. I know. I think it's both.
1: Okay. We'll <laughs> say it's Lamanno because that's what the book says. It's
2: good branding, nonetheless.
1: It is. <laughs> Confusing always works. Uh, Thickmutt, Um. But that's is that the actual name of that?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pines one and two. Uh, what paint and medicine show? And was it medicine show that was in Abstract Comics?
2: Uh, no, I, I wish it had been, but no, it was another another booklet called uh, Mainstream Blackout. Oh, okay. And I just finished uh, a new uh, mini comic zine called uh, Yoko Ono in My Favorite Beetle. So that just that just came out or is coming out
1: was she your favorite beetle uh,
2: <laughs> I, I don't have a favorite but it was that's the name of the the story and and yeah it's just it's, it was too good of a title
1: now you're involved in all these like you you work for fanographics do you kind of want to let people what, know what your role is there
2: well i maybe they could let me know i <laughs> i uh I do a lot of different things for for I've been working there for about seven years, and I've done a lot of different things. Um, my official title is Sales Director, which uh, sounds sounds pretty good, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not really a salesman in, in a traditional sense. I would be uh, screwed if I was trying to sell like uh, shower curtains. I'd be out of a job. So, um, but yeah, I deal with uh, distribution of, of Fanographics and and Eros titles. And
1: uh, do, do of, they still sell the
2: Eros? You know, Eros? Yeah, we still do it. it. It's it's much much less than it uh, than uh, you know it has been over the years. But we do uh, m- more graphic novels than than pamphlets. But mm-hmm. um, the internet is something that's kind of taken a taken a bite out of that. But, um, but, yeah, so I just kind of deal with that, try to make sure everybody has books. And I work with retailers for events as well as um, any problems they may have getting books. Um, I do ads for um, distributors. Sometimes that involves layout. And I also do some editing. I was the assistant editor on the Humbug collection from last year, and I co-edited... Uh, uh, like a Dog by Zach Sally with Eric Reynolds, and currently I'm working on a, a couple of new things as well, um, trying to just get some stuff going. But and I also, I guess I also, I'm working on some uh, a couple of my own publications that I, I'm editing and putting together um, to self-publish. Mm-hmm. So that stuff's a lot of fun. I wish I could, you know, I wish there was more, uh, more was more able to do to, to do more of that. But uh, I think everybody in the industry does
1: yep yeah. the 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 more time you have for personal work
2: well that more. as well as just the editing like the making of books is mm-hmm. so much fun and the problems and, and everything that goes into it is just is really exciting and, and working with the designers and the artists and and the whole thing watching it happen is something i've always liked doing since i was a little kid and making my own little booklets and you know taking them to school or wherever and and uh it's just, you know, business is, uh, you got to make sure that everything's running. Everything can support the <laughs> production of a book. So I spend more time doing that than actual, you know, the so, other. But I, it's something that I, I try to make time for.
1: Well, let's start out. Um, it's in, So you've got that kind of angle of your work, but your personal work is anything but traditional. Right. Um well, maybe it is more traditional comics, and
2: yeah, I don't not, know. It, it, it once was, and it is. I feel like it's becoming more traditional, becoming more. Uh, some of the more recent things I've done, I've been doing some stuff for this fantastic newspaper um, called the Smoke Signal,
1: mm-hmm, the one out of the Desert Island.
2: Yeah, I, I'm love. There's a bunch of these uh, un, um, comics newspapers coming out, and I think they're great. I I missed the you know Paper Rodeo I I wasn't a part of that as much as I would have liked to have been um, and so the you know the opportunity Smoke Single came and I jumped on it and I'm hoping to maybe even try to submit some stuff to some of the other papers that are coming out I think they're really wonderful like a, a di- wonderful uh like uh, there's Diamond Comics yeah, yeah. out
1: of uh, floating world
2: yeah and uh somebody sent me um uh, a a link to a uh, to another one that looked great and
1: I know Luke uh, Ramsey does one. Oh
2: yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: At least I think it's his. Like it's it was all I picked one up mm-hmm. at a local comic store it was him and Ron Regi, oh, wow. and a bunch of other folks that had done residencies at his.
2: Right, I told, Yeah, yeah. I love all that stuff. So a lot of that's been you know I'm I'm trying to I'm getting more interested in uh, I guess traditional story, um, linear, maybe a little more linear storytelling i i I was doing work like that um several years ago I did uh a mini comic about a f- i think forty five page mini comic called airdrome and that was very linear uh and I did some other stuff but i i I reached a point where I couldn't do that work anymore It was too uh i don't know there's something about that kind of work like doing a a comic where it's characters and you're following them. I love all that stuff you know I grew up on love and Rockets and Frank by Jim woodring and and I, I just, I enjoy reading that stuff tremendously. I love Tintin, um, you know, all all those things where you're with the characters, character-driven, And mm-hmm. but I, I kind of, you know, a lot of that stuff, you kind of have to be this, like, retarded god, you know, you <laughs> have to, you know, it's like you, you have this neighborhood that you're sort of looming over, and, and you need to have kind of, I think, uh, I think it helps to have a vision or a sensibility, and I don't know, I reached a point in my, my personal life where, uh, my sensibilities or things that I knew, the things that I understood about life, were just you know kind of bullshit, and that I I was you know was I wasn't helping anyone or myself. So I kind of um, I needed sort of an abrupt change, <laughs> and uh, I I started to you know I, I started to think a lot about comics and art and how a lot of in comics in particular, I feel like a lot of a lot of the greats they they report what they know and they you know they they. Offer all sorts of wisdom and I think that's you know in some ways that's the job of the cartoonist in a, in a traditional way you know if you look at it cartoonist is sort of the guy on the corner the person on the corner just like kind of shouting like you know the sky is falling and uh i mean I think that's a uh, uh a a good role but uh, for me at the time i just i uh- you know a couple you know several years back i just i couldn't do that anymore i i I realized that what I knew was just killing me and hurting other people, and so <laughs> I, I just, I stopped, I was like, I don't know anything, and I don't want to, you know, I don't have a, uh, I don't have things that I necessarily want to impart, <laughs> and so, you know, like, you know, I don't, I don't, I read like some Robert Crumb, I read a Robert Crumb comic recently, and he was talking about this old refrigerator, I mean, it was a fascinating read, but it was like, you know, or about his old 78s, or Harvey P. Carr, or, you know, talking about this stuff, or uh, some of Dan Klaus's work comes to mind, where he's sort of you're talking about people he hates or people he loves. And I just, for me, it turned, comics and just making art uh, became more about uh, trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Um, I still had the desire to make stuff, but it was, you know, an attempt to try to understand the world as well as myself. Um, and a lot of that, I, I should mention, I think was inspired by... Um, uh, interview. I think I think it was an interview I read with John Cassavetes when uh, uh, they were asking about a film he made called Faces, and it was a film about these Hollywood producers. and Why would he? Why on earth would he make a movie about these guys? And he replied, "Well, he he found himself after his first film. He found himself really upset by these kinds of people because they're getting in the way of him making what he wanted to make. And he, you know, was saying, i hated these people. I just wanted to kill them. I thought they were horrible.'" And, you know, then all of a sudden he realized, like, well, wait a second, like, my work, like, his work, as he said, was about love. And, and he, so he decided to try to make a film to, to, to understand these guys, not to hate them anymore, but to understand them. And I, I read that at an impressionable time, and I thought, well, I'm going to do comics like that. And, and what's happened has happened. I don't know. I mean.
1: Well, what are you trying to understand through your comics then?
2: Well, I I'm just trying to understand uh, myself. Try to try to organize my experience, mm-hmm. and try to to. I think for you know, I think art making is uh, whether we're aware of it or not uh, is the way that we organize our experience, however messy, however um, controlled. And I just became okay with making very messy uh, stuff, <laughs> and sort of trying to you know report that.
1: I find it interesting, um, just listening to you. art and comics seem interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for most folks, involved in comics... Right. Um, I mean, art is the, what you see, but it's a, a lot sure. of it is what, what people recognize a lot is the story and stuff, mm-hmm. too. Um, do you find, with your works, you're trying to create an artwork that utilizes comics... But its focus on being a piece of art. Uh,
2: that's a good question. I, I spent uh, I've spent a fair amount of time uh, agonizing over you know whether I'm a like a painter who draws comics or a cartoonist who paints or something. Uh, I don't. Uh, I just consider myself a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Uh, this is what I'm interested by. Um. I do find myself becoming less and less interested in just drawing. Uh, I mean, comics are kind of, uh, I think when I started trying to make comics, like in, in earnest, I think I understood how they worked better inherently. But then I, you know, like I said, I got all screwed up and I, <laughs> I suddenly, you know, I, I, had a really, I had a really hard time with this understanding of drawing versus cartooning. And you know, so at the same time, I sort of cast aside the narrative work. I also cast aside like any of my assumptions about comics, so i you know had these rules that I picked up uh one of them was uh you know don't draw realistic, don't draw in a representational way. I picked that one up from from Tom Devlin, <laughs> <laughs> and uh just before you called, I was actually looking at an e c comic which, if Tom's listening to this, I'm, I'm sure he's rolling his eyes.
1: Yeah, I tried um, talking uh, defending Mobius in front of him. He did <laughs> not right. like that.
2: That's right. So, I, you know, I, there were all these rules that I had sort of fallen into or, or used, and a lot of that was just because I read something by a cartoonist who I liked, and I thought, okay, that sounds good, you know. So I just sort of cast all that aside and... You know, a lot of, I think, what I've been trying to do for myself, and it's fine that nobody else sees this in the work, but I've been, uh, you know, trying to understand drawing versus cartooning more. And I actually am really, right now, I feel really excited about cartooning more than I, I have in a long time, because I feel like I do feel, I I, I feel confident, uh, more confident now that uh, I understand um, cartooning a little bit better, I think, than mm-hmm. I did a couple of years ago, or five years ago, I, I, I feel like um, I don't have these nagging questions. Like, well, what if I do this? So I, you know, those questions were driving me crazy. So I just started doing them, and, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of searching and you know, trying to figure out how this stuff works. And and there's a lot of things that I've printed that I don't think necessarily work, but I I'm proud of them and I, I stand by them, but I. I, I'm most excited right now about what I'm what I'm doing right now and, and what I'm, you know, what I've got on deck with my own work. Um, you know, it's a lot more... I'm a lot more... You know, there's guys like... Um, like, if we were to use, like, other cartoonists as a reference, you know, whereas I might have been at one time, like, really interested in... Uh, I'm trying to think of a good example.
1: Do you mean, like, a modern... You know, someone... Kind of, like, like contemporary?
2: Yeah, someone who might who might
1: uh like a mark bell
2: no i no, not mark i i, I yeah mark stuff i think he's a cartoonist that guy um <laughs> he's great i no, i guess like the stuff that i'm really I'm, I'm sorry i'm not coming up with a really good example of 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 what i was maybe you know i would okay i would uh, like gary Panther for okay. me i think it's no doubt that like if you look at some of my stuff it's clear that i am you know i've looked at a lot of gary panter very influenced by him whether i like that or not I love his work, but I, you know, for me, influences are just, they happen. I don't have a lot of control over them um, yet. <laughs> and, you know, so I'd look at Gary's work or I'd look at, like, Ron Regie's work, all that kind of stuff. I'd sort of group it in my mind and, and, you know, it was just sort of like basically kind of try to follow that path. And then, you know, I sort of cast that aside and now as I'm getting more into the idea of Flow and spreads and layout and you know the eye and how it moves across the page. I find myself looking at like Carl Barks and like Ditko, um, uh, Tezuka. A lot of manga is really is really uh, you know I think we're in a great time right now. where more and more interesting mangas coming over and and it's, it's totally affecting American comics or Western North American comics and. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's the kind of, like, the more functional, I kind of think of that as a little more functional cartooning, or Jaime Hernandez, I mean, that guy, you know, he's our little Lulu, you know, all that stuff. And John it's Stanley. Like, yeah, it's all, like, real, that's real cartoons, you know, it's real, it's about the storytelling and the, the pace and the cumulative effect of everything working together. Frank Centoro's been really uh, a, a a great presence for me to discover not that long ago with his work, but also some of his writing really resonates with me and so he's
1: quite the preacher <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah he is i uh, i i like a lot what he has to say you mm-hmm. know when he when he gets talking about color and he gets talking about layout and, and kind of rhythmic forms in in comics i think there's a lot to be uh, learned from that so um,
1: i think that's that's something like even I, fi- I find myself like i go through read comics and but i don't use that analytical eye Mm-hmm. that a cartoonist Well, and it's interesting, I sit down, talk to my friends about comics, and they'll be, like, you know, talking about, you know, how one person does one thing, you know, mm-hmm. like a Mobius movement or sure. something, and it's like...
2: I feel like I'm just getting that stuff now. Yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> and, and it's
1: And it's not something you're going to get right away, and it takes years of, you know, really consciously going through this work, and eventually you start popping out and just seeing, like, how that person does that one thing and how that works so well
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i i I think there's there's a lot to what you just said there about that i know i uh for me reading comics was much more intuitive and had been and then i just i just got to the point where i had to analyze it a little bit more um and you know these those are the sort of the, the the kind of like that's the school for me was are those cartoonists i listed and they're the ones where it I'm able to recognize it more than in some other stuff or um, I don't know I think sometimes for me when I'm looking at my own work and and kind of the ultimate direction I'm really trying to head in, it's one uh, it's one that I, like examples or models that I have in my mind are like the work of of uh, the Hernandez brothers and Gilbert Hernandez in particular is one of my all time favorites he and um, I really like yeah, David Boring's one of my favorite mm-hmm. comics. I mean, the subtext that those guys create is, uh, it's so whole and intact that...
1: Um, and, and and a reminder for folks is, you don't start out, like, he doesn't start out making David Boring. Oh, right. Yeah. He starts out making The Ugly Family. Right. And then, you know, makes right. this stuff and this stuff. And, you know, like they're talking about in the Psycho comics that was discussed recently on the comics, comics thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes time to kind of formulate and get in to dissecting your own work and to kind of pulling it out and really realizing what an overarching story is.
2: Right, yeah. I, I well, And I guess for me, I mean, I'm naming a lot of other cartoonists in their work, and for me, it's, it's kind of difficult to dissect my own stuff. So I I, I, I reserve that for, for other <laughs> cartoonists. <laughs> I, but I mean, I do go back, and I, you know, I will see. It's pretty. It'll be pretty clear to me, you know, a, a month or a year later. I'll see something like, "Oh, okay, yeah, all and,
1: right. You know, it's I, funny though. That's something I don't think to ask about because, I mean, in movies, people ask directors, you know, "Do you watch your movies?" Yada yada, or like actors, and it's like, I don't really ask cartoonists if they read their comics.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'd be curious. Yeah, I would be too. I, I, I know some people that you know never they never do, or they really, they rarely try to, um, I don't know, I have, like, a little personal, I have a little, like, drawer where, or not, it's a couple of drawers where I keep everything, and it's, uh, I, I used to do a lot of sketchbook drawing, because, again, I thought that was what you're supposed to do if you're a cartoonist, you're, like, Robert Crumb, and you have this sketchbook, and, I mean, I had one as a kid, too, my mom, I was, I was always drawing, and, and my mom would give me sketchbooks, and, I've got hundreds of these things, and I always go back and look through them sometimes if, I, if I'm trying to, if i trying to... A lot of times I'll look through them when I'm working on a story, when I'm doing my kind of the writing of the story or the comic, and I will kind of go through them, and sometimes they help. You know, they're like a uh, my own personal swipe file of my own stuff. You know, I don't have to read... Uh, Heartbreak soup again to figure out how to do a great comic. Yeah. I mean, I probably should, but I, I I get to you know kind of cannibalize myself, and I'm I'm okay with that. And, well, uh, I think
1: that you can't understate the importance for folks to really under utilize the sketchbook process. I, I actually had this conversation already today over lunch. I'm sitting there with with Marv Newland and Brendan Graham. We're all just sitting and chatting about the sketchbook process, and both of them just so important. Like, I mean, here's one guy's an animator, one's a cartoonist, and mm-hmm. how that sketchbook plays a role i mean you may not use what's in there Mm -hmm. but it's still formulating ideas and it's a chance to capture those ideas because they're just going to be lost if they're
2: not right yeah Um, that's interesting i yeah i I agree with that i i don't i know that uh for me drawing in a sketchbook is over the last uh two years has really changed i don't uh i don't do it as much and i I actually don't miss it because i'm i for me i uh I'll bring up our friend Tom Devlin. Uh, he, I remember, <laughs> I, were, I had the chance to work with Tom uh, years ago, and so I, you know, we'd talk or whatever, and it was, he's an interesting guy and a wonderful closet cartoonist. Um, he, but I remember he would liken a sketchbook to playing air guitar, and <laughs> I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was great, and I, I, was certainly the case for me. I was certainly drawing in my sketchbook when I secretly, you know, when I really wanted to be, Doing comics, and so I, I, you know, I there is, a, uh, I, I've heard this story from a lot of different cartoonists and other artists as well, where they there's a period of time where, you know, they they're always producing work, but you, you don't know it because they don't finish it. And I had a really, really hard time finishing anything. I had like a several, many years where I have stacks of comics pages that just that. I, I just couldn't finish for whatever reason. Some of them I'm finishing now. I did in the new in the new issue uh, or Pines number two. There's a you know a two page story that took me more than a, two years to finish. I just let it sit there. I mean, I, I a lot of it was you know, and that's kind of what what it took. I mean, there's another you know, I just did a twelve page comic in uh, like a week and a half. So it's just like whatever it takes to get it done. But I know that I had a period of time where I was doing a lot of drawing in the sketchbook. Um, You know, it was like I was trying to wait to get good or something. I don't know, but I just... I just uh, uh, Actually, Dead Ringer marked for me... But just before I made Dead Ringer, I was like, God, I'm sick of this, you know, just drawing in the sketchbook and starting comics and getting distracted and, you know, having... You know, after a couple of years, like a couple hundred pages of unfinished work, it's just, its you know, disheartening, and, yeah. and it's not why I'm doing this. So I, you know, just thought, like, okay, well, my project is to, you know, try to understand what's going on and to finish things however way possible. And, like, that's the project, is to finish stuff. So and Dead Ringer was the first part of that, where I just, I scheduled my time. I, you know, I, I was really... I gave myself a deadline, and I just I worked every day on it. I mean, I, I'm usually I try to work every day um, if I can on drawing comics. And for me, because I have a day job and I have all these other interests, like I've just started the Zine Distro, um, I don't you know I don't have a lot of time to draw a sketchbook <laughs> anymore. I went on vacation. I had a nice like wonderful week off. Uh, and I did do a lot of drawing in my sketchbook, and it was fun, but I was, man, by the end of the week, I was like aching to get home and, and to work on my new comic for Smoke Signal and to get back to that world that I'm working on.
1: I'm going to do a quick song break. Yeah. And uh, we're just about 35 past. We've been having a good chat. um What would you like to hear?
2: Uh, hamburger Lady.
1: Wise choice. I have to say, I'm a. You know, if you if listen to the show, I'm a big Throbbing Gristle fan, and just a little shout out to Luke, the uh, music director at the station. He gave me this little box. that's this little weird music thing, and it has little Throbbing Gristle loops on it, and you can pitch bend it, and wow, including samples from Hamburger Lady. So that's,
2: uh, Luke's a good guy.
1: He is. It's <laughs> amazing. I'm very thankful. Thank you, for, thank you, Luke. We'll be right back. InkStud Citr 101.9 one point nine FM. you're listening to Ink Studs on CITR one point nine FM uh, just let folks know what's coming up on the show in the next couple weeks uh, next week I'll be chatting with uh, Amy Lockhart whose new book comes out from or is out from Drawing Quarterly um, some fantastic drawings she's also in the wonderful Naga Dodd book from my good friends at Conunder Books uh, week after that will be uh, another Canadian Brian Lee O'Malley uh, we'll be chatting about Scott Pilgrim strictly comics talk no movie checked that's a little rule of mine I think unofficial but I don't really care about the movies Uh, we kept that we'll be uh, Jason's publisher on the book we were just discussing Zach Sally and then upcoming interviews include uh, Justin Green which I'm very excited about and Casey Green Uh, no relation at all just both guys with Greens in their last name I don't know why they're both happening in February but it's happening how are you doing, Jason? I'm doing good. Good. Um, now, we were chatting about Dead Ringer. Now, I'm curious. What's the printing process on it?
2: Uh, the, the printing process was... Well, Zach printed it. Zach printed the whole thing.
1: On his uh, archaic printing yeah, press? Yeah,
2: he's got an old A.B. Dick press from, I believe, the 50s. And, and the name of the press is Maisie, after John P.'s cat. Oh. Uh, and, uh, I've been, uh, yeah, the, Zach, the printing process, yeah, he, you know, he, his whole thing is wanting to print all this stuff up by hand, but, uh, you know, it's not like using a Xerox. It's no. It's more involved. And I've, I've, I've done, a, I did a print with, um, with my friend and, and a very good artist named Tony Rempel. We did a, a print on Zach's press, um a couple of years ago, so I, I watched this thing in action, and yeah, the, he, you know, you gotta get, it, it's pretty, it's, yeah, it's pretty arcane. It's pretty old-fashioned. You have to get plates made, and, and he's gotta, he's gotta know how to run the thing, which I think might be the most complicated <laughs> part of it. Um, it's not, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not a Xerox machine. Or, it's,
1: the the blacks you get are quite amazing. We're looking through with a friend today, and it's just like, quite stunning yeah so it's it's really nice like especially in a day and age where and we're going to talk about zines where you see a lot of zines where it's like stuff people use laser printers and you can tell when someone uses a laser printer right i'm yeah i'm telling you people work (laughs) on your resolution you have no idea how much better your mini comic looks if it's not Pixelated.
2: Either that, or make it really pixelated, or like your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it look real dirty. Like yeah. that—that's that can be fun too. But.
1: but but that's an aesthetic decision,
2: right? 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 Yeah. yeah. No, Zach. Zach was—I uh, mean, the whole thing's put together by him. He—I came up with the—I think I came up with the idea for the binding um, out of a book that I was looking at at the library. We were trying to figure out how to. I mean, I just drew the story, and, and Zach and I. Uh kind of we somehow we we became friends and we would talk on the phone every once in a while for like you know two hours or three <laughs> hours just sort of and I would just be telling him about this this thing that I was working on, and he just kept you know he's like you gotta send me a copy and and i I don't you know I, sometimes like like I'm saying you gotta i gotta live with it a little bit more before I can send it out and you know every time we talked he's like you got to send me this got you know I really want to read it and I was like all right and so I I sent it to him and then I got a call back uh not not long after I sent it to him and he's like I want to do this and I was like what do you mean it's it's 16 drawings and so he told me he just really wanted to do it we talked about it and then it just went from there and we decided on the I mean I don't know it's a weird it's a weird book I mean I I think it's it's uh I think it's the best thing I've done. Um,
1: I'll, I'll probably agree. Looking yeah. through your work, like it's it's by far the most strongest and mm-hmm. complete work. And I, I'm really fascinated by, and I don't want to give too much for the story for folks to actually, because you mm-hmm. should go out and check it out. But your camera angle, I guess for lack of a better term, is really unique in how you work the visuals <laughs> all together. Because I mean, right. it's, you got metaphorical visuals you got mm-hmm. literal visuals and they all kind of work and meld and
2: That's, i'm happy to hear you say that yeah i yeah it was, it, it's one of those things where i don't I, I think all the best stuff i've done or the thing that i know, best is a weird word i think all the things i'm the most happy with or I'm the proudest of they all kind of poured out of me i'm i am a compulsive drawer and I'm, i feel like i'm becoming a compulsive Comic maker now more than a drawer, and what that means is that not everything's going to be great, or it's not going to be. I'm not going to be happy with it Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just I, it's just this kind of ingrained, you know, kind of graphomania or something. I just have to be doing it all the time, and so. But there's yeah, there's a couple of things I've done where they they're all the things that I'm I'm kind of the most happy with. I've gotten the best reaction from. I've learned the most from doing, and they all when I think back on. The process of making them, like I can barely remember it. I barely remember making Dead Ringer and this, this new Yoko zine I just did. Uh, I barely remember making it, um, and I'm really, really proud of it. Same with I thought Wet Paint, even though it's not like really a comic, it's definitely has a cartoonist sensibility. And same with that. And my my very first thing, the Air I that was the same thing. I mean, I I did like I don't know how it's like 45 pages I did in like a month. It is just. Uh, I'm still proud of that book, even though it's pretty rough. It's not very polished, but it's—I think it reads well. So,
1: have you ever been? Have you ever read Jason McLean's stuff?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen his work. Uh, I was aware of it. I've been aware of it for quite a while. I used to see some of that stuff via Mark Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. I I like his stuff. Um,
1: it just feels analogous.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I, 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 yeah. I just got into you know Dead Ringer. Some of the stuff I remember. I mean. It, there is a there is like a literal or like a real thing that that, that propelled that story, um, but I didn't you know I didn't want to get bogged down with that. I sort of just wanted to channel it because I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake what what I mean. I'm, I'm not trying to be a tease or anything. No, <laughs> but it was uh, it it. it and I, but anyway, I just used that energy and and sort of ruminated on it and just let it kind of go. And it sort of yeah, it sort of reminds me in some ways of some of the um you know those great zines coming out of um uh, um canada mm-hmm. you know the the like the naga dog stuff where you see them all kind of riffing and and there's all these echoes and it's all it's all funny and all really exciting but and you and you know it's also kind of poetic with all that stuff how it works i mean like the structure of it's poetic and that it's it's like there's a kind of a, a drawing alliteration going on and i i saw i remember seeing kind of a potential the potential of that being in a a more a different context, like Dead Ringer, which I kind of Dead Ringer for me, um, some really at, at at one time like the work of of uh, uh, like Binky Brown, uh, uh, Justin Green, and Jim Woodring's uh, stories from Jim, the or the first volume, where mm-hmm. sort of these, these oblique autobiographical stories, dense. Are, are really inspiring to me and I, I kind of in my own mind I don't I would you know I I, I'm i almost <laughs> I'm, I'm hesitant to say this but I, I sort of feel like Dead Ringers it's in that lineage you know? well
1: I mean there's a definite linkage between the two I know
2: yeah I mean that stuff feels so important Jim, to me it? that it's I kind of I I don't know if it matches it or not or if it's if it's if if it can keep good company with, with the, the amazing work of those guys but it's definitely what, what was making me feel like, okay, it's cool that I do this. And Zach as well. Zach's work, I should say, too, yeah. was also...
1: And I should uh, say, when I referenced Jason McLean, it wasn't towards that particular work, it was actually towards no, the right, wet right. paint and...
2: Oh, right. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yeah, Robin,
2: okay. Making connections.
1: Yeah, and that's something, like, uh, I've talked to, to Frank Santora about, is, like, you, had, it, it's really interesting to see this linkages and you know comics have their own literary tradition i think it's really important to acknowledge that and go here is my part in that literary tradition
2: mm-hmm. yeah i think so i think that's okay to do um i mean there's a kind of an arrogance to it but i also think it's that that's okay It's not, not necessarily
1: i don't think so i don't think it's arrogant thing, to go no. at all I,
2: I mean there's a part of me i'd love to take another stab at it
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: um but i don't know i i I know one of the the shining like one of the traditions out there. Actually, it's not really. I don't know if it's a tradition or not. But it's, 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 it's Justin Green's "We Fellow Travelers" I think is one of the greatest comics of all time. It's uh, a bleak slapstick. It's just amazing. Um, and I I know for me I, I I would love to try to plant a flag next to that. It's, uh, and then just so that that tradition is I think really ripe. But. uh... But yeah, I guess back to that the whole printing stuff. Uh you know, I think I think what's interesting about Dead Ringer now to me is I mean, even just in the short time it's been out, is that it's um as far as the printing goes, is it is how different it looks from photocopies. Mm-hmm. I, at one time I think it looked like I think when it came out actually I remember I was doing a lot of photocopying, like mocking it up and sending it to Zach back and forth and it, you know, when the final book came out it didn't seem that different. But I mean just within in the last couple of years with with whatever's going on in Xeroxing and all that stuff like it's it looks totally different now. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's kind of fascinating to me and, and um
1: now I'm going to change topic completely cuz so we don't yeah. have a lot of time. Well, not completely. Speaking of Xeroxing, Right. Profanity Hill. <laughs> right.
2: That's the <that's> seg- segue. <laughs> um yeah, Profanity Hill, it's uh I just started it. It's a it's a, a blog and uh um I still I don't know maybe it's lame but I still have a hard time with the word blog, and the idea of one. But it's uh, you know they're good. They can't be. Um, I, ho- <laughs> I hope they are. I don't know. I there's there's so much stuff I'm seeing on the internet lately that that uh, I mean I'm, I don't consider myself a luddite but I definitely have been scaling back my interaction. Um, you know it's just anyway. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and you know what I really appreciate. It. I love people. When, I, when I'm working the show, folks, I have to communicate by phone. It is so much easier.
2: Yeah, no oh, idea. Yeah, yeah I, like, I the phone the phone's pretty good, you know. And, and and writing a letter or making a zine or a comic is a, is a great way to. It weeds out a lot of bullshit. There's I see all these comments people leave, and it's like, man, if they if they didn't have that platform, they'd have to make like a zine, and then within the first hour of making that zine, they'd realize they need they should spend their time better
3: than,
2: than talking shit. It's, just, it's, it's, it's uh. Yeah, just a modern day problem. I, I, but you know that said, like a lot of DIY forums, it's what's cool about them is that they're there and you can you can use them and you can take matters into your own hands. And I certainly, you know, I I, I couldn't start Profanity Hill as a storefront in Seattle. I couldn't. I, I can't afford it. I wouldn't last a month. But uh, this way, I can do it. You know, and I mm-hmm. feel like there's a need for it, and. um growing up, you know, I guess my spiel is like growing up in the 90s in Seattle. Um, I left in uh, 97, and, um, but when I was growing up here, it was really exciting. You know, there was a lot of stuff happening here, and...
1: uh, And I'm in Vancouver, so... Right,
2: yes, you're you're familiar. I mean, most people are. I mean, it was really, you know, Seattle was like on the tip of the tongue, and there were a lot of zines from all over the world and and coming here as well as music and it was really great and exciting and people danced and at shows Um, and it was like, you know, it was really, it was really cool. I would cut class and go down to this place called Fallout and I would get Mm -hmm. weird comics and zines and and records and, you know, there's another place, there's a bunch of places, go to Tower Records and you could get, you know, Comet Bus, or you could, you know, there were zines there and so, I moved back to Seattle, you know, several years ago, and and when and right when I moved back, like the last kind of place like that was a place called Confounded Books, and I think that was in the first year or two of being here. He had to close, and just slowly over time, I've seen just this erosion of that kind of stuff in Seattle, or and, and which isn't to say I don't think I think people are still making stuff, but there's just not a. And it might be that way a lot in other places as well. I I don't know. I live here, and and so you know, re, re, the more I've been making my own zines and comics, and I you know I, and, and doing gallery type shows, I sort of I just got tired of hearing myself complaining about the fact that I, I'm in more gallery shows outside of Seattle than in Seattle, <laughs> and like I think I've done two or three, and I've done like dozens outside of Seattle. Yeah, and same with zines. Like I send my stuff to like places in LA and New York and Texas and Chicago and Portland and it's like what is going on (laughs) and so I I, I mean I have set up some stuff here I mean there's been some you know there's a couple of people out there at a couple of bookstores that are you know interested in this stuff
1: I think it's a Northwestern thing
2: yeah I don't you know I don't doubt I'm trying really hard not to like get down on my town um, because what is cool though, I mean, the cool thing about there not being a lot of stuff going on, or at least my perception of that, is that there's a lot of room to do your thing. And you're not kind of.
1: It's not cliquey.
2: Right, yeah. You're just sort of. There's a lot of variety in, in, in for, for people that are doing stuff. But yeah, I mean, I went to, uh, last time I was in Portland, I went to that great shop, uh, Floating World, and I saw his zine area, and it was like, holy cows! Like, this is. Uh, there's so much stuff there. It was overwhelming. And just, I mean, his store is fantastic. But just the zine area alone was like, this is this is crazy. And so anyway, I just kind of felt. I mean, there is a wonderful. uh... uh it's called ZAP. It's a, the Zine Archive Project. I'm mean, I'm going to go in there after I get off the phone with you. There's a, they have an event, and I'm going to be going there. But it's you know, it's a library. It's an archive. It's you know, it's um, it's a place to hang out, kind of thing, and do events. Whereas uh, I want, you know, I kind of want to. Provide a, you know, I really want to see what's out there in Seattle. Like, what does mm-hmm. Seattle have to offer uh, by way of you know handmade publications and zines? Because again, I know there's stuff happening, but I'm I can't find it, and uh, um, and there isn't you know there aren't there's not a marketplace. But so I'm, I I don't know. I'm really excited about trying to provide a you know, like a portrait of what's going on here.
1: It's funny people think of Seattle as like this mecca in a way, but I know folks that live there, and they're just like there is no. Right, there is a real big lack of a large scene.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the kind of there, there. Yeah, there's a, a lot of things that have happened here, um especially a lot of it while I was gone. So uh that there was the whole tech boom and bust, and there was the cultural decline of you know what had been happening in the '90s, and what we're left with was sort of this tech culture of all the you know Amazon, Adobe, Google, yeah. I don't know, all this stuff, and and so, you know, a lot of the younger people that are here, it's all computers and wireless. And, I mean, there is Starbucks, I mean, they, they've they wiped out all the diners. There's, like, three diners left. Um, and, I, you know, I'm a guy that likes to go to a diner. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to go to a coffee shop all the time, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, you know, it's just kind of, I guess, maybe sour grapes on my part, I don't know. But, I, I, again, I do think there's stuff happening here. There's a great zine called Ong Ong. That's O-N-G, space O-N-G, and, you know, there's, and that's like a zine with, well, it's an omnibus of all sorts of different information. There's interesting mini-comics being made by Kelly Froh, Max Clot. I call him Max Clot is Max Clot Fettler, mm-hmm. um, or Felter, I always, that's why I call Max <laughs> Klott. Um, he's great, he just made a little masterpiece called Rough Grocery, and.
1: Uh, and Kelly, I really like Kelly's stuff.
2: Yeah, she's fantastic. I don't know why I don't I'm you know, I'm not hearing people talking about her all the time. I mean, she's wonderful portrait comics. Uh she just did this one about her aunt that's fantastic. uh... Debbie story. And so I, you know, I I just sort of decided like I'm tired of hearing myself complaining about Seattle. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's like, you know, I can't, you know, I can't there's no zines or blah, you know. You know, everybody nobody wants to have a complainer in their midst so i just decided like okay well i'm going to do this and see what happens so it is an experiment it's not you know it's not like my aesthetic thing necessarily i'm not like the criteria for what is on profanity hill i mean the the, the ruling point is that they're it's the seattle area yeah it's not like it's not my thing i'm not you know i'm not necessarily in the, the
1: you're, you're not going to post king cat on there
2: no, I no. And you know, it's funny, a couple of people mentioned to me, um, you know, I asked a bunch of I I sent out a call for like telling people what the deal was, which is that I'll buy your zine outright uh for a wholesale price and and I'll put it up on this thing and I'll invite I also invite everybody to to blog um so they could they can put whatever they want as long as it's, you know, whatever related on the on the Profanity Hill blog and uh and, you know, a lot of people wrote back saying, "Well, would you sell my stuff to local stores?" And I, I said, "Well, uh, no. <laughs> you, you need to do that. Like yeah. that. I mean, I'll, if I'm in uh, Portland, if I'm making a trip or going somewhere, you know, I'll take stuff with me. Like I'm, I'm fine with like you know, bringing it to other places because I like the idea of a kind of gateway." But um Jason, yeah,
1: our time is up. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just realized it's three o'clock.
2: Okay. No. Yeah. No worries.
1: Um. But just let people know profanityhill.blogspot.com. Yep, um, well worth checking out. There is a selection of stuff. Your stuff, Kelly Fro, Max Clotfier, Fietler, Felt Felter. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Eric Reynolds, Adam Greino. Anyone else? I'm forgetting.
2: Uh, there's, you know, I'm supposed to be getting stuff from Stefan Gruber. Uh, Any
1: Lasky coming up?
2: I hope I'm gonna. I'm, I'm hoping to see Dave tonight. I'm gonna harass him. He's a treasure. Yep. And uh, Lucy Morehouse, who does Ong Ong, she, uh, will be having Ong Ong Six when it's done, probably later this spring or summer. And uh, Tony Rempel is coming up. A uh, bunch. Yeah, a bunch of stuff. So. Excellent. Yep.
1: Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Jason. Yeah, it was a you. great conversation. It's all right. Anything care, you want? What do you want me to end with?
2: Oh, end uh, uh, with the boredoms.
1: Okay, sounds oh. good to me. Thanks so much, Jason. All right. All right. Bye. See you. Um, unfortunately we ran a little late there up next is Japanese Music Waste Um, it's kind of perfect that we're playing The Boredoms right before that Uh, yeah, CATR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, it's 3 o'clock